We're in 2023 now, and God has made a shift now. There's no coincidence that we moved into this building with so much prophetic meaning in it on the first day of the year, technically, on the same year, 2023, as where the prophetic word is, the promise will be fulfilled. And God has made a major promise of revival, reaching the whole world in huge, massive levels. And we have seen, we've seen some of the promise, but it is just a glimpse of the promise of revival spreading across the whole world. What we've seen is just a tiny glimpse. And this is the year that the promise will be fulfilled, that revival will spread to massive lengths. Hallelujah. This is the year. So there is a shift right now. It's been revival. Revival has been now for a time. We've seen God move in such power, do so many miracles, and in so many nations, and touch so many people. Revival is truly now. But I want to tell you that now, in 2023, we should bold, underline, and give several exclamation marks to the now. <laughs> Revival is now! Now! Emphasis on this is revival. If you've ever treated it as, as just a nice slogan or nice something to say or something hopeful, time to stop with that and try to mean it from the depths of your heart. Believe it in the depths of your heart and live your life with this truth that revival is now. That this is a big, big deal. The end time revival is now. This is huge. This is huge. So we need to live our life like this. Right now, it is harvest time. Harvest time. Like like nothing we've seen before, harvest time. We've seen God be bringing in the harvest in this revival. Oh, but it's nothing compared to what he has in store. The fields are so ripe. It says in John 4.35, um, Jesus says, don't you have a saying? He's saying this to the disciples. It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Jesus is saying, look in the spiritual realm. Believe. See what I see that maybe you don't see in the physical realm, really. But go in the spirit and see. Harvest fields are ripe now. And this gives some revelation to us, the fact that Jesus was saying to the disciples, you think it's four months from now, meaning 
Sometimes we're not spiritual enough. Sometimes we are um, seeing things too much in the physical realm. Sometimes when it comes to us as, as Christians in terms of this revival, we can be like, yeah, it's now, but maybe it's really coming later. You know, you can come, with, come in that way, still praying for revival. But God has said revival is now. And the harvest is ripe now. So God is saying now. You might be saying four months. You might be saying one year, two years, three years. You might be waiting for different people to announce that revival is now or other signs. But cut it out. Open your eyes and see that the fields are ripe. This is what God's saying now. He's saying this to his disciples now. This is you. The harvest is ripe. Today's message is called the revival harvest. Because it is harvest time now. And it's time you will learn how to be a harvester, a laborer in the harvest. Amen. So there's a time for sowing. There's a time that God brings growth, that he moves upon the seeds, that he's doing work behind the scenes. And there's, then there's a time for harvest. Jesus, when he was ministering, there was a lot of doubt and skepticism with his message that he was bringing, with his message of revival. There were believers, but there were also many who didn't believe. There were many that thought he was a false prophet. There were many that were saying, no, I think it's later that the Messiah is coming. He had followers, and then because the religious spirit was so strong and rampant, because there was so much skepticism and people listening to the devil's voice in their heads, there's a time when Jesus preaches a sermon. He preaches a message. And in this message, he's talking about, he's speaking of communion, which we understand now that we are drinking Jesus' blood spiritually when we drink, when we do communion, when we drink um, the grape juice. Spiritually, this is, we're drinking his blood, not just grape juice. There's power in it, right? And we believe that when we eat the bread, this is Jesus' body we're eating. That's why there's so much power, if we didn't believe that, we'd just be thinking we're taking bread and juice. There's no power in that, right? So we grasp that. We're eating his body. We're drinking his blood. Hallelujah. This is what brings us healing. We get that now. But back then, he's trying to explain communion. And he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not be saved. And just the voice of the devil, of um, the religious spirit, the skepticism came in people's minds. And the Bible says that just because of him saying that one line, just speaking of communion, that many of his followers left him. And this was probably thousands because right before that in scripture in one of the gospels is when Jesus feeds thousands. So that means like he had this huge crowd following him and probably thousands left him. And he turns to his 12 disciples and he says well you leave me too so that teaches us that at that point it, it was probably just the 12 with him you know and then the pharisees ramped up their attacks and god was allowing 
the persecution to happen for his, because Jesus had to be crucified for the fulfillment of the promise to happen, for the resurrection to come, and for there to be the sacrifice that would save us, right? So God allowed the persecution to happen, but when the persecution was happening and the Pharisees were, like, appearing to be winning, it, it would, was speaking so much to people, like, well, maybe he is a false prophet. There was a big time of skepticism. I mean, revival was now. It was time for everybody to receive all the miracles they needed. But so many missed it because of the religious spirit being so strong, because of skepticism. But God allowed that for a season, right? So then Jesus was crucified. Jesus was resurrected. And when Jesus was resurrected, this was a time when God shut up the mouth of the accuser. Like, God literally allowed the accusing to happen for a time. But then there was another time, another season, where God shut the mouth of the accuser. And that's how it is with God in revival. That's how it is with God in your own personal life, where God will allow sometimes you to look like you're guilty, just like Joseph was looked to be guilty in the prison. He'll allow that sometimes for his purposes, to refine your heart, for his perfect purposes beyond our understanding. But then there will always be a time where your vindicator comes, your redeemer comes, and he shuts the mouth of your accuser, and he proves that God is with you. So Jesus was resurrected, and then we see the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. By the way, before that happened, even even two of Jesus' brothers, James and Jude, did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. That's wild if you think about it. Because what, did they think that Mary was a liar? I mean, Mary would have told them, I was a virgin and I was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then we had to hide in Egypt. Like, it's actually wild if you think about it, but that explains today why there's the other wild things of why some people can't believe. That's just how it is. But anyways, these guys did not believe he was the Messiah, okay? That's how much skepticism there was. Then, Holy Spirit comes in the upper room. These brothers are there. After the resurrection, they now believe. And so they receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they start speaking in tongues, and um, some people are saying, I think they're drunk, they're confused. And then others are, are amazed, they're dumbfounded, the Bible says, because they were speaking in tongues in the, the people's languages. There was many different people from different areas with, who spoke different languages. And they were speaking praises to God and the wonders of God in their own language. And they could hear it, so they were dumbfounded. In other words, God began to do signs. Bring signs, big signs, that this was him, that he was with the disciples, that revival is now, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. He started to bring these signs that these people could not deny. 
And so right after that, there's, there's people that are dumbfounded, and there's others that are confused. I think they're drunk. But Peter clarifies it, and he says, we're not drunk. And the people believe it. He then goes on to explain, he preaches the gospel. He says, Jesus is the Messiah. The one you crucified is the Messiah. It says, it says in Acts 2.15, it says, these people are not drunk like you think they are, he says, Peter says, for it is only nine in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied. This is the fulfillment. So he's saying, revival is now. The promise is fulfilled. This, was, this is the Passion Translation, and this is where it says, this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everyone and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy, and your young men will see visions, your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. And he goes on to say later, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it goes on later, uh, it goes on later to say, when the people heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Their eyes were opened. God moved, God shut the mouth of the accusers where they no longer heard the voice of the Pharisees. But they could not deny the signs they witnessed. They could not deny the Holy Spirit, the anointing moving through Peter as he spoke, that it was truth. They knew it in their spirit, this is truth. When before it was con they were confused, many doubted. Hallelujah. This is harvest time. There's a difference. Praise God. So um, it says, when they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. And they were all added to the church. 3,000 in one day. Harvest time. That's a big deal. That's a lot. That's massive. And that was the first sermon that all these people are believing. Whoo, hallelujah. When God says the time is now, nobody can stop it. Nobody can stop it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So then it goes on to say in the book of Acts, it goes on to say, that the church just kept growing, just kept growing. The numbers multiplied. And it even goes on to say that there was such favor for all the believers. Like the people in the cities respected them. And there was just favor upon them. So it wasn't even like, oh, you guys are weird, creepy. What is this that's happening? What are these... Shouts coming from people and throwing up. I think you're using demonic powers. Like it wasn't, 
It doesn't say that. There will always be Pharisees. There will always be people that will attack the work of God. Always, 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 always. But they will never outpower the truth. So, so before, when Jesus, um, it was almost like it was outpower, overpowering, you know? But, but then when Jesus was crucified, then resurrected, now it's revival. Now those voices were so small. They were so much smaller. There will always be Pharisees, but when, when God's ready to bring in that harvest, he will really quiet them so much that they are not really having any impact. They might have had quite a big impact before and led many sheep to be to go astray and let some people to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and, and lose their deliverance and all of that. But that was then, now is harvest time where they will not have this kind of impact. Their voices will be silenced by God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, now is the time, just as the Acts Church experienced this revival and this time of great joy and peace, and this time where the city even had favor upon them, it's time for us now. It's time for us now. It, right now in this season, this is how God is even fulfilling this promise. He's strategically silencing the voice of the enemies and the false accusers. And he's proving them how wrong they are. And he's showing up and saying, this is me. This is me here. This is what God's doing now. Amen? Hallelujah. So God, right now, this is, we are going to see it. And we've already begun to see it and we're going to see it more and more and more. We're going to see God bring sign upon sign. Wonder upon wonder. Miracle after miracle. Testimony after testimony. Where people cannot deny that revival's now. That the end time revival is now. That this is God. It's Jesus. People cannot deny this is what's coming now. I want to give you a couple of the signs of what God has been doing. Some of you, many of you were here last Sunday, so you've heard some of this already, but I know some of you haven't heard this yet, and it's just really important to share with you. And so that's that, this is our new church home, this building. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has opened these doors. He opened these doors for us to come on Christmas Eve as our first service and January 1st, technically the first time where it's our home. Amen. And there was many, there was some prophetic signs that God brought to confirm that this is where he wants to move and, and grow his revival in this season. And one of them is that, um, so... After God had already spoke to me that this, that this is where he wants it to be, and that even happened, part of it was 
I was going on a walk and God was speaking to me like um, envision what you what, what you would like the church building to look like as he was leading me I want to move you in a building now the church in a building and I literally envisioned this but it was like God giving me that vision but I literally envisioned a big open space with lots of natural light with a lot of windows and was white and pure and heavenly looking and about less than an hour later I came inside and the picture of this place was sent to me. <laughs> yes. So hallelujah. So then Jantal and I were coming to see this place for the first time after God had already spoke, this is the place, but the first time of seeing it in person. And it's amazing because Lily was bringing us from the airport, picking us up from a revivals now trip, one of the cities or countries we were coming from. And, um, it's amazing because we came from this direction and I've never come from that direction since because where my home is, it always takes me here. But wow, thank God we came from the airport that day. That was Holy Spirit because two streets parallel to this street here, to this building here, um, Jantal was looking out the window and noticed the street sign said Azusa. Azusa Street. I was like, what? And, like, I've lived in L.A. for more than nine years now, and I've never seen that street sign. It's not, like, one of those, like, Beverly or Santa Monica or something that you see throughout the whole city or something, you know? Like, I've never seen it. So I was shocked, and I immediately took out my phone. Where was the Zeus Street Revival? Where, like, how close was it? Less than a mile away, it is, I found. And it was amazing, because then, like, so we just passed the street, and I think before I even Googled it, we started, we, I could then see the building for the first time. And I saw it from like a picture before, from the front a little bit, but not much. But as soon as I saw the building, I was like, that looks like the Azusa Street Revival building. <laughs> and it really does. I posted a picture on my social media. You can see from a couple days ago if you want to see it. But it really looks like the Azusa Street Revival. And if those of you that don't know Azusa Street Revival, it was like the last biggest revival in history and it was about one mile from here is where it happened on Azusa Street so um, this is an amazing prophetic sign from God it, it, it just it's just like him speaking like bringing a sign bringing confirmation for people who were doubting before for people who wondered but weren't quite sure God is saying I told you it's revival now. Stop praying for revival. Stop waiting. Come and be a part. Come and receive. And then um, Amy Semple McPherson, for those of you that don't know, she is a very famous um, revivalist, woman of God who walked in the power of God. Many miracles happened. She was a young woman. I think she was like in her mid-20s or so when she started her church. And she started her church in Los Angeles as well. And it was actually, she opened her building across the street from where we had revival in the park for a few months, right before the revival broke out in Pan Pacific. We were at Echo Park, right across the street. And that building that she opened, it's called the Angeles Temple now. But um, on January 2nd, I was on my inst on Instagram and I never, I don't even really scroll much, but my parents were in town. I didn't, definitely didn't have time to scroll at all. But I just 
pulled up Instagram, and a post from two days ago appeared on my Instagram. I wasn't scrolling, it just popped up from two days ago, which is rare, usually it's the day of, shows you the recent posts, right? And that post said that Amy Semple McPherson opened her church doors to her building on January 1st, 1923. That's, that's, so I found that out January 2nd. That's exactly 100 years ago to the day of when it was announced that this was our new home. <laughs> and January 1st is my birthday on top of that. But wow, God. And, and, I, and it just, just makes me, it just makes me full of joy and just amazed at God's faithfulness because it's just a glimpse of what he, what's happening now in this year, that God is astounding, bringing signs, bringing confirmation. Before, it was more like the original disciples. Many of you here, you who here, who are a part of this move of God, and here at Fivefold Church, you are, I see you as the original disciples. You know, not everyone could see that Jesus was of God, right? And not everyone could see revivals now in those times, but there were some who could see. And they were faithful. And they were willing to do, I mean, willing to leave everything, um, leave their families, and just go on missionary journeys with nothing, you know, homeless right? And we were in parks for two and a half years, and there's many of you here who really saw that this is God, that revival is now, and said, yes, I don't care if we're in the park in the 110 degree weather or the 40 degrees and raining, <laughs> I will be there to serve God, to be obedient to God, and to be a part of his revival, when there's false accusations um, thrown against this work of God, I'll still be there. My faith won't falter. I will stand strong. And I see that for, for you all here who's, who's been a part where it was that season before where not all could see, not all could grasp revival is now. And it was a beautiful season of testing. You know, Jude and James missed out on getting to walk closely with Jesus and be one of the original disciples, his brothers. They missed out. Um, but there were those original disciples who passed the test and got the privilege and honor to walk with Jesus and be the first uh, revivalists, the leaders in God's revival army, right? You know? And so it was, it was a season of testing, of God building his army of strong people. God needs strong people. God needs a strong army. And to be strong, you got to go through intense training, right? That's the only way to build a strong army. So God, God brought that training. And now we are in this season, in a different season of the harvest time. And now it's time to cast our nets out and fish for the Jameses and the Judes.
those children of God whom God loves so much that missed it the first time around, but God wants to use them powerfully in the revival. God loves them so much, and it's time to catch them now. It's time to catch the Apostle Pauls out there who were speaking against the work of God in one season. But in this season, we will cast our nets out with love, with mercy, with grace to those people that spoke against you, to those people who mocked you, to those people who threatened you, to those people who said, don't go there. It's time to cast nets out of love, forgiveness, compassion, mercy to them. There's Apostle Pauls out there who were accusing you before, persecuting you before, persecuting this work of God. There's Apostle Pauls out there, and we love them, and we're excited for them to come and give God the glory and do more works for the kingdom with us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So it's the time right now to cast our nets out to the James and the Judes, the ones who missed it before. Maybe weren't persecuting too much, but they were sitting back. Maybe they were looking, looking at the revival in the park a little bit like Jesus in the manger. <laughs> you know? You know, some that were just like, I want to, I don't know. It's time. You out there, it's time. No more sitting back. Come, be a part of this revival. We love you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, and it's also time, and it's time to, to, to cast our nets out to bring the Apostle Pauls in. And there will be people who repent. There will be people who you won't believe. You won't believe. Because God's proving himself this year. Proving himself where no one can deny. Hallelujah. Devil's time is up. Hope you had fun. Your time's up, devil. And, but it's also this, it's also, as we cast our nets out, we'll, we're going to be bringing in those fish, those types of fish. But we're also going to be bringing in all kinds of fish. The people that just weren't on social media to know what's going on. Right? The people who were lukewarm, weren't serious about God yet. But now they are. As you cast your nets out, they're ready. The people whom God has been pursuing behind the scenes, preparing them for this moment for you to cast your net out. And this is what I want to share with you now. God has been preparing people. Jesus talks about, our, Paul talks about, um, I planted a church. I planted seeds. Apollos watered it, but it was God who brought the increase, or it was God who brought the growth. Another God has been preparing these people. So, um, as as Paul says, I planted, um, Apollos watered, and God brought the increase. So, many of you have been planting seeds in many people. And other people in your, all the people in your lives, somebody else has been planting seeds. And there's been some watering people have been doing, and you've been doing watering in other people as well. And what's very important to remember is that God 
has been making it to grow. God has been bringing increase behind the scenes. Don't judge a book by its cover. Just because you don't see many likes on your Facebook posts or Instagram posts sharing about the work of God does not mean that people aren't being touched. God has been working in people. This is part of the harvest that I'm talking about. It's important for you to understand that. Jesus, he said to Peter, um, Peter one time was, before he was called to be a disciple, he was trying to fish. He was a fisherman, and they were getting no fish. You know the story? And then um, Luke 5, verse 4, when he had... um, Jesus says to, to Peter, put, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Si- Simon Peter replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signaled to their partners in their other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats with fish so that they began to sink. So when Peter, in his own timing, was casting out the nets, he wasn't getting any fish. But all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, now, now cast out your nets. And look what happened. <laughs> it, was, it was supernatural. They, they never caught that many fish even on a good day, you know? It was supernatural. And in another gospel in, uh, around this story, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So this story is a prophetic example for us. You know, we, we've been casting nets before, and really, we, we were wanting it to be harvest time, but it wasn't harvest time. It was planting time. And so we were casting out nets, and none of our work was in vain. But it just wasn't harvest. It just wasn't time to see it yet, the fruit. What you were actually doing, so many times, many of you were actually discouraged. You were discouraged. You've shared about Jesus. You've shared about what he's been doing. You've shared about the testimonies in your lives. You've shared about all the testimonies you've seen. You've shared the videos. And you were discouraged at the lack of people that believed you or that were hungry for God too or that would come join you. But what was happening is you were actually planting seeds. You were wanting the fish to come up, but you were planting seeds. You were throwing food for the fish to come up to the surface. You are planting seeds, and I want you to know this, that anything you do for God when it comes to spreading his word, testifying, sharing his love with people, none of it is in vain. Not only are you making God so proud, but you are advancing the kingdom. I mean, if you could see in the spiritual realm the effect of those seeds that you planted. So many people today 
So many people in your lives will be saved, healed, delivered, not commit suicide because the seeds you've sown last year, last month, two years ago. It's very important what you have done. Now is the time for harvest. So you were casting out nets before, not seeing anything. You were actually doing, it wasn't a loss. It was planting seeds. But now God is saying, and this is the prophetic word right now. This is prophetic right now. God is saying, cast out your nets. Just as he said to Peter, God is saying that now you will be shocked and surprised at the supernatural increase of fish that end up in that net that you get to see with your own eyes the joy of their salvation, of being healed and delivered and touched by God. Now is the time. Hallelujah. John 4, 27, um, Jesus, Jesus says, John 4, I'm going to go a couple verses in deeper from this. Um, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So God's not saying they didn't sow any seeds, and today he's saying he's seen you sow many seeds, but what God's called you right now in time is to be a harvester. Um, and so, so much of the harvest that you will bring in by, by sharing the word of God, loving on people, sharing what God's doing, it will be from seeds and watering of other people. But this is what God's called you to now. It's important for you to know the time we are in, harvest time. And it's important for you to know what God has called you to, to be a harvester. Hallelujah. So, um, I want to share with you now a step. This year, we will see the promise fulfilled when we take a step. Yeah. When we take a step. This is the prophetic word of last year. That the, it's the year the promise will be fulfilled. But the direction, the prophetic direction, is that you must take a step. And so... There's a, a big promise that's being fulfilled, many promises being fulfilled here for our church at Fivefold Church of revival growing and expanding massively, harvest being now. And, but in order to see that happen, we have to take a step. All of us, not one, two, three, four, five. All of us have to take a step. That's why this is a serious word today. You are called to be a harvester. You got to do it. You got to go out and bring in the harvest labor. Um, so I'm going to share with you now a big, 
uh, step to harvest, to what being a harvester looks like. So John 4, 27, um, right before John 4, 27, Jesus went to Samaria, which did you know that in those times, Jews, if they touched something from a Samaritan, a, person, a Samaritan, they were considered unclean, and they would have to go through rituals. And they were despised people because they were not Jewish people. They were considered, like, worldly. So this route um, to go north of where Jesus was headed, all other Jews would take a long route out of the way to avoid even passing through Samaria. That's how intense it was back then. But Jesus, he came to save every person, Jewish, Jewish or Gentile. So, and he loves every person, Jewish and Gentile. So, Jew and Gentile. So, he goes right through Samaria, and he ends up going to a well. There's a woman there. Now, in those times, a rabbi would not be seen talking to a woman alone. That's inappropriate, let alone a Samaritan woman. That was the biggest no-no. And he would have to have the rituals because he'd be spiritually unclean. But Jesus is coming in this new way. Canceling the curse of the law. That's all the curse of the law junk there. So he encounters this woman. She's um, been married five times and lives with someone who's not her husband. So that was mean. She, that, that would, in those days, it was like she was crazily promiscuous, very worldly, and looked down upon. But Jesus shows her so much love. He shares a prophetic word with her, you know, show, uh, saying to her, I know your past. I know that you've had all these marriages and you live with someone who's not your husband. But as you read it, you can, you can read it the right way, seeing that, with the right revelation, seeing that he wasn't condemning her at all. But he was just saying, like, I know your past, and yet I'm a Jewish rabbi here with you and asking you for a drink of water, which means... I don't think I'm going to be unclean by touching your cup. You know, I love you. And she was just overwhelmed by this love that was shown through him. And he then reveals he's the Messiah. And she immediately believes it because she's never encountered such love like this before in her life. Through his power, through the power of love and the power, the anointing moving through him through the prophetic word. And so... She immediately after that, she is full of joy, and she goes and tells everyone she knows about the encounter that she had with God, with his power, about the love and the power that she's never encountered before. She hungered for all those people in her city to have that same encounter with Jesus that she did. She had a beautiful heart of a harvester, beautiful heart, a selfless heart, to see others saved, healed, and delivered like she was. And so she goes and tells everybody, and she doesn't even, there's no shame. Her, her selflessness and the love of God overflowing with her from her made her to not have any shame, you know, because people would look down upon her, but she was just coming up to them saying, this man told me everything about me. You have to go meet him. You see? So... Okay, so this all is happening. So Jesus has this encounter. He told the disciples to go get food. The disciples, the disciples come back. This woman had already gone and told everybody. And all of a sudden, people come with such urgency. 
They're already coming up to where Jesus was. He can even see them coming. And that's when Jesus says, he says, I don't need your food. My food is to do the will of the Father. What nourishes me is to do God's work. That's the real food. When you get serious about serving God, being a harvester, you're going to experience food like you've never tasted. Joy, peace, fulfillment, intimacy with God. So I want to first share with you, be, be excited to taste this new food of doing what Jesus did, being concerned about the harvest, being serious about the harvest. Don't be concerned with your worldly things anymore. It's revival time now. It's harvest time now. This is urgent. This is important. We need to be like Jesus. Put aside, cut down on your social media swiping. Cut, cut down on your social activities. Like, do what you need to do to reach people for Jesus. What is getting in the way from you reaching people? What's getting in the way? What's getting in the way from you sharing about what he's doing? Cut it out. Cut that crap food out, junk out. And, and eat the real food of serving God, of doing his will. Jesus would have missed that Samaritan woman if he went with the disciples, accompanying with them to get the food. So you're going to have to cut away from things you've been doing last year and get serious, more serious than ever, to serve God in this revival, to be a harvester. Amen? So then, after he says, it's the will of my father, this is the real food, to do the will of my father, he immediately then says, um, you guys think that the harvest is four months from now, but I tell you, it is now. The, the, they are ripe now. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, look, look, so he's saying, look at the fields. And so it goes on to say that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So this was when the harvest began. Jesus chose this Samaritan woman, this considered worldly woman. She is one of the foolish and weak things of the world that God chose to confound the wisdom of this world. <laughs> Jesus chose her to be the one to bring in the first harvest. This is how the harvest is brought in. This is how revival spreads, is when you receive miracles from God, you encounter Jesus, you encounter his love, and then you become obedient to him, to not keep what you freely receive to yourself, but you would freely give to others that the moment you receive from him, you want to stay idle, but you would be like this woman and run. I love how the chosen TV series depicted it. I saw that episode. She runs. <gasps> she runs. She couldn't wait to tell. She could not wait to tell all of the people 
how she encountered God. So have a heart for people. This is urgent, this revival, I'm telling you. Every time I hear someone has committed suicide, when I hear it on the TV, the news, my heart burns for the word to get out more about Jesus, the deliverer. Because there's so many people struggling with suicidal thoughts, and they're trying many different things. They're trying medications, but the suicidal thoughts don't go away. They're trying certain things. They don't want to kill themselves, but they don't know any other option. It's as simple as you sharing what Jesus can do for them. I think I'll try it out. A seed will bring them. They don't even have to believe in God yet, but they can just say, I want to try it out. And that just like the, these people say, we don't believe just because of your words. Now we believe because we've encountered him. It's time you start to have these eyes. To see. We're in L.A. What better place? That's where you hear suicide more than ever in Hollywood, for example. You need to get out there and tell people. Tell people. Jesus can deliver you. This is what God has done for me. This is what he will do for you, too. Simple. You don't have to be a great preacher. So this is how the harvest was brought in and revival spread, was the word of the testimony of that woman. This is how the harvest will be brought in and revival will grow massively here at Fivefold Church in LA and across the world. It's the same way. Do not keep quiet, but be, have the sense of urgency to share your testimony. This is how it will happen. You don't have to, oh, how can I spread revival? This is, I don't know what I can do. Can I do more? This is awkward. Okay, I want to have the prayer of salvation with someone. Let me think about how this conversation. You don't need to overcomplicate it. God is teaching us in his word how to do it, how to bring in the harvest. Just share your testimony. Simple, simple. This is what God has been showing himself in this revival. He's simple. He's not complicated. Religion makes things complicated. It makes it complicated, even like, oh, I need to have the, pr the prayer of salvation, and, da -da -da, and you make overcomplicate things, and you start acting awkward and weird, <laughs> and, you start, and, you start, and you start turning people off because you're acting like you want to convert them and trying to push something on them and not being real and saying these weird religious prayers. Can you just be like this woman? Jesus delivered me of suicidal thoughts of anxiety, of depression. He healed me of sickness. I sleep through the night now. I never slept through the night. Simple, be yourself and share from your heart. And when you do that, the anointing is moving through you. That Samaritan woman had anointing from Jesus on her. Her words carried power. That's the only explanation of why so many would believe this woman that was looked down upon in the city. She was looked down upon. 
But she just shared her simple testimony. Anointing came upon it, and people were moved in their hearts to come follow her to find Jesus. And they were saved. Be the Bible says, because of the woman's testimony. Thousands, millions will be saved, healed, delivered because of your testimony. Not because I, I preach good. No. Because of your testimony, the word says. God gives the credit to the woman who shared her testimony. It says many came to faith in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. That's how the harvest is brought in. And so many of you here today are because someone else shared a testimony with you. Because someone shared a video with you. And that's why you're here today. So, so um, it's time to get so serious about your, sharing your testimony and just sharing what God's doing, the testimony of what God's doing, what he's doing here, uh, others' testimonies. It's time to be serious more than ever to share it in any way possible. That when you go get your hair cut, get your nails done, go to the supermarket, go to your job, that this is on your heart. I got to share my testimony because people will believe in Jesus because of my testimony when they hear it. That needs to be on your heart every day. You need to make that intention. You need to have this sense of urgency that it's life or death. That you need to have this sense of urgency. I'm telling you, God's counting on you to be urgent like that woman, the Samaritan woman. Because there are people, many people with suicidal thoughts. There are many people who are about to kill themselves. This is urgent because the harvest is ripe. God has been working in people, preparing them for this moment, as I said. So this is why you need to have this urgency more than ever, because now is the time. Now is the time more than ever to share your testimony. More than ever, now is the time to use your social media for God's glory. To be loud and proud about Jesus and what he's doing. God's been working behind the scenes preparing people's hearts in all sorts of ways. He's been giving people dreams. He's been giving people visions. He's been doing all these things that people will realize this is not a coincidence when you tell them your testimony. So you need to have this uh, prophetic awareness with you to help you maintain this sense of urgency. This is the year I'm bringing in the harvest. I'm a harvester. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, even, even some of you, some of you even, you know, you, you've been part of the revival for a while now, year, year and a half maybe, almost two years. And you already went through all your friends, all your Facebook friends, and you already spread the good news to them. You've already shared videos to them. Now is the time to repeat that. Because the harvest is ripe now. It wasn't ripe before. You will be surprised at people who respond to you. We've already had testimony of this. Lily was just sharing testimony with me. How I was sharing a message about how you should make a short one-minute clip testifying of 
of what God's done in your life, the miracles he's done, short one, and just send it to everyone you know. Just send it. Send it to your Facebook friends, people you haven't talked to in years. Just, just send it. And she shared with me that there was a couple people who reached out to her who were so blessed by it. And you could just tell God had been working in them. And she called one of them, prayed for them, and she, and she felt the anointing through Lily um, as she prayed. She felt peace, and she came with her to church the next week and was touched by God. And so, but if she hadn't done it again, that wouldn't have happened. So this is how it is for all of you here. There are people you've already told the good news about. You need to tell them again because now they're ready because the work that God has done in them. They will believe now. They will come now. They will receive now. They will be saved now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the, the Bible says the first will be last and the last will be first. So the first woman, the first person to bring in the harvest was the last person, you know, that anyone would ever think. Um, and that's whom was ready to be a harvester, to receive Jesus. So number one, I want to share with you that you are truly chosen. You are anointed. And it's time to step out. It's time to stop being shy. It's time to stop caring what people think about you. But know what God has told you and stand firm in that. Just stand strong and walk in confidence. You were chosen. And number two, um, cast your net out everywhere. Some of you have been trying to cast a net out at religious people and you're getting annoyed that they're not receiving. <laughs> cast your net out to the Samaritans. They're ready. The Samaritans of today. You're, you're after the Christians, but a lot of the Christians are being like Pharisees still. Still plant your seeds there because there's, there's Apostle Paul there. Keep going. But don't put too much effort there that you're neglecting this, the people like the Samaritans. The people, that you, the people in your past that never had an interest in God. You grew up with them in high school. You, you never picture them coming to church with you. Cast your net out there. The harvest is ripe over there. Cast your net everywhere. Everywhere. And you are going to get fish. Many fish will come in. The harvest is now. Revival is now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do I have some harvesters here? Some laborers in the kingdom here. I see God's revival army here, ready to get to work like never before. You're going to see, here at Fivefold Church, you're going to see so much growth in a short amount of time because of this step that you take. You will be shocked. God will blow us all away and will confirm his word that really the harvest is now. Amen? Who's excited for the harvest?